0: Welcome home, Living Hope. It's 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 awesome. I'm I'm so glad we're all here. Let me let me just before we kind of dive in, uh, uh, hit a couple of things. This is uh this is not the finished product by any stretch of the imagination. Um, in fact, um, if you haven't been in here before, if you haven't seen plans uh, on the wall, uh, the little short wall underneath those lights over there, there's a, a schematic of what this space will look like. This wall, this entire wall, is going away, um, and we're expanding into the next space and. Uh, it's going to be a really uh, nice uh, space when it's all finished, and, and uh, it's and it's it's great. It's, it's perfect for us to meet in for today, but it's it's going to be it's going to get way better, way way better, and uh, and so be patient with us for the next several weeks, where uh, w- there will be uh, issues. Okay, uh, you know, in terms of uh, you know, for at least for the next three or four weeks, most likely uh, kids will be in service with us. Uh, for those of you who don't have kids and are annoyed by kids, just repent. And, uh, and, and just get, get over yourself for, for a few weeks and, and, uh, you know, it's, it's fine. Um, and then, uh, and then, uh, you know, as parents, you know, just keep your kids corralled and you don't have to keep them quiet. You don't have to take them out and spank them every time they make a peek or anything like that. Um, uh, but, but, you know, it, here's the thing. When you hear the, the noise, and you will, when you hear the, the sound from one of our kids uh, in the service today and in the next couple of weeks, uh, uh, praise God we have that kid. There are churches that, w- that do not have kids, and they, those are called dead and dying churches. And, uh, and so praise God every time you hear that sound, and, uh, and let's raise up our kids the way God wants us to raise up our kids. Amen? <laughs> Amen. All right. So, um, and then in terms of, uh, we know we have hard floors, we have hard walls, that sort of thing. Acoustics in this room are not that great. We'll be tweaking that when we get into the finished space. Acoustics will be much better and that sort of thing. So uh, I'm sure many of you have suggestions for sound and and that sort of thing. And, and, And I would just say, just bear with us, bear with us as we go through all of that. Um, and um, and that'll be good. Um, so let's dive in. We're we're, we're going to take a break for the next uh, four weeks to, for the month of October. We're going to take a break from the Sermon on the Mount, and and we're going to do this uh, Church Under Construction series. Uh, and so with this series, what we're going to do is we're going to look at while we're uh, getting this facility prepped for our purposes and for the, for the purpose that God you know wants to fulfill through us in, in this uh, city, uh, we're going to look at. You know, Because it's not enough that we have a building. And hopefully, I mean, you guys are living hopers. I think you get that, that uh, the church is not the building. This is not the church. We are the church. This is, at the end of the day, just a building. Just a building. And if we had no building, we would figure it out. We would figure it out because this, these walls are not the church. Uh, they increase our capacity for ministry. They, they uh, help us to do ministry, I think, in a more excellent, a, more, a better way. Uh, I, I think over the next couple of years, what you guys are going to see at Living Hope Church is opportunity for ministry expanded in ways that, that maybe you didn't even realize we were missing out on. There, can I, I'll just tell you that it's a pretty regular occurrence in conversations with the leadership of our church that we're like, we should do this, you know, whatever ministry that somebody has an idea for. And then the next statement is, but where? You know what I'm saying? But well, whose house are we going to have to do this in? What park are we going to do it in? You know, that sort of thing. And, it's, and, and our situation before has been a little bit limit, Not I wouldn't say very, but a little bit limiting in terms of what we could do uh, with, with our body, with our body of believers, with, with ministering to the community, that sort of thing. And I think the opportunity for ministry is really going to grow exponentially over the next couple of years. Now that said, as we're getting all of this ready, what I want us to take some time to do is look at what, what does it mean? What does it look like for us to be a healthy church? Because at the end of the day, we all want to be a part of a healthy church. We want a church that is good for our kids uh, where our kids aren't going to be taught a bunch of garbage that make them hate Jesus and hate, you know, uh, church later down the road and that sort of thing. We want a church that is uh, uh, attractive not only to us as individuals and as families, but to our community. We want a church that serves our community well. We want a church that that uh, keeps the main thing the main thing. We want a church that's not eaten up with dissension and fighting and, and that sort of thing. Um, and, and so how do we, uh, as we're building all of this, also... Build, keep, or I should say, continue to build a healthy church, and so that's what we're going to look at for the next four weeks. Um, and so we're going to focus on kind of eight characteristics that are character that I think are true of every healthy church. And the ones that we're gonna the two that we're going to uh, uh, focus on today are going to be uh, this idea of a healthy church is passionately is passionate about the, passionate about their spirituality. In other words, they are they love Jesus. Uh, a healthy church genuinely loves Jesus like they're not showing up because out of some sort of just simple religious duty uh and oh kids I said duty sorry about that and um and then so they're not showing up at, you know because um you know out of guilt or 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 whatever or they're not hanging guilt over each other's heads they are passionately in love with their savior they love Jesus they Feel that relationship they are living in relationship not just about religion right and so th- that aspect and then the other aspect we're going to talk about is is a, a a healthy church also has a strong focus on ministry now i put these two together because i think they're very very closely combined now in in modern church world today what we have found is that this idea of religion a lot of times is uh kind of um uh, it, it's you know religion is kind of a dirty word in modern church, right? We don't want to talk about religion. Uh, we want to talk about relationship. We you know that sort of thing. And uh, but here's the thing I want want you to realize that religion that word in itself there's nothing wrong with that word. There's 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 nothing wrong with you being a religious person. In fact, I think there are certain aspects about being a religious person that are that are very very good. In fact, the Bible says it this way in James at the end of chapter one. This verse is not on the screen. I'm just going to read it to you real fast. James chapter 1, um, verse 27. James says this, "Religion, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God. What? Does such a thing exist? Evidently so. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this. You ready? To visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. James is saying, you want to talk about good, healthy religion, have an outward focus where you're taking care of other people, people that are in need, people maybe that don't have a voice or, uh, or are uh, disenfranchised or whatever. Take, have, a, have a heart for, for orphans, have a heart for widows that, that maybe need some help and that sort of thing, he's, he's, and keep yourself unstained from the world. In other words, don't let the world crowd in on you so much that it begins to kind of Wash the Jesus off of you, right? You know, like it just it begins to you kind of lose focus and you lose track of who you are as a follower of Jesus Christ because you've let the world crowd in on you so so closely. He's like, if you you want it, you want true, pure religion. Turns out, true religion is not just a brand of jeans. True religion, pure religion, wah wah wah. Uh, (laughs) True religion, pure religion is is a religion that is unselfish. Like my faith, like. This is, this is what it is. This is why I said these two, two things are so closely linked together. And it's this. I don't think you can call yourself a true follower of Jesus Christ, somebody who really and genuinely loves Jesus if you don't have a heart for others. You cannot separate those two. They are, they are uh, linked. And they, that link cannot be broken. If you hate Everybody except yourself. If you are selfish and you only ever think about yourself and your needs, and everybody else could just go to woohoo and and you know whatever, and and uh, you know, if that is you, and you say, "But man, I love Jesus." Can I just say it? You're a liar. You're a liar. The, the, like the truth has not yet penetrated your heart. You have no idea what you're talking about because someone who has allowed jesus christ to get a hold of their lives there will the holy spirit will stir something up in your heart and he will give you a heart for people other than yourself he will give you a heart for people other than yourself you'll begin to notice people in need you'll begin to notice people that have no voice and you'll want to stand up and be a voice for those people you'll begin to notice situations like that unselfishly and as the holy spirit transforms you you begin to realize, turns out this life is not all about me. This faith surely isn't all about me. That you cannot be passionately spiritual and yet not have a, and, and, and not have a desire to be serving God in ways that help other people some way. They are linked. They are absolutely linked. I remember years ago, uh, this, was, this was when my oldest kids were very, very small And, uh, Jamie and I were having a a really hard time in our marriage, just a lot of fighting and stuff. And it was getting really ugly. And, and, um, and I, I can remember telling some friends that I was in a Bible study with, like, I I just don't get it. Like, like I love Jesus so much. And, uh, but yet I don't feel that towards my wife. I was really in a dark place at the time. I remember that. And I remember one of my friends saying, then you don't love Jesus. And that was the slap in the face that I needed. You know, like I was just lying to myself. I was just lying to myself. And and here's the thing is that when Christ gets a hold of our hearts, he changes our heart for others. He changes our heart for others. So what I want us to look at today is this story, this great story of Jesus' very first miracle. And the, uh, the staff of the church uh, listened to a guy by the name of Perry Noble uh, uh, give a message very similar to this. Uh, recently, and I'm pull. I'm using his points because they were just such great points. And I want to share them with you this morning. Uh, be, be, so, if you want to turn over to John, uh, the Book of John, chapter two, and you got your, hopefully, you got one of these. You can fill in the blanks. Satan wins when we don't fill in the blanks. All right. Okay. Here we go. Mm. We have a fridge for this. We have our own fridge. Just saying, it's cold. It's cold water. It's awesome. Okay. All right. So we're in uh, John chapter 2. Uh, we're going to read the first 11 verses. And in this passage, Jesus is, is brand new in his ministry. He has just recruited his 12 disciples. And they are just getting started kind of going around. And they go to a wedding. They were invited to a wedding. In fact, this verse, first verse that we're going to read tells us that they were invited to a wedding. And uh, at this wedding... Jesus performs his very first miracle. Now, kids, you know that Jesus did some amazing, crazy things. Like he would walk on the water. I don't know if you guys have tried that. It's it's not easy. It's not easy. And he would would feed 5,000 people with just a couple of fish and a couple of pieces of bread. Again, ask your parents how hard it is to feed you. It's not easy to do that. Not easy to do that at all. But Jesus would do these really, really crazy great miracles. He would take a blind person and, and, and help them to see again. He would take a deaf person and help them to hear again. And, uh, and, and just on and on and on. I could go the list of the miracles, but this was Jesus' very first miracle, okay? He's at a wedding. And, uh, and so, uh, and, and it, indul- it involves adult beverages. So here we go. You ready? All right. Uh, John chapter 2, start with verse 1. says this On the third day, <coughs> Pardon me. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Uh, who was Jesus' mother, kids? Anybody know? Mary. Mary, good job, good job. All right, your parents get 1% off their tithes this month. All right. Um, <laughs> okay, so, and the mother of Jesus was there. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there, all right? Jesus was also invited to the wedding with his disciples, all right? So, um, here's the thing. Jesus was invited to a a wedding and not just any wedding back in this day. Like who here kids, how many of you have been to weddings before? Raise your hand if you've ever been to a wedding. All right, good, good, good. Okay. So, you know, when you go to a wedding uh, you, you're there for what, two or three hours, and there's some food and some cake and a party and some punch and that sort of thing, you know, and and it's a lot of fun and 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 that's and you get to dress up in some nice clothes, that, that you know that that's a that's the kind of wedding we go to. Well, back in Jesus' time, when they went to a wedding, that wedding party didn't just last for a couple of hours; it lasted for like a whole week. Like all week long, people would be at your house celebrating this wedding. And it was a, I mean, imagine trying to feed your wedding guests for an entire week. Who here has ever paid for a wedding before? Anybody? Anybody? Imagine trying to pay for that, not for two or three hours, but instead for 24 hours times seven. Right? That's that's an expensive ordeal. That's a big ordeal to go through. And Jesus and his disciples were invited to this party. And when they had these parties, it was a party. I mean, it was a party. They got together. It was not stiff and buttoned down. It was, they were going to let loose. They were going to eat a lot of food and they were going to drink a lot of beverages. Okay. And, and they were going to, they were, there was going to, there was going to be a party going on. And Jesus and his disciples, I don't, I'm saying this over and over again because I want, I think it's important not to miss the fact that Jesus and his disciples were people that it was, uh, it seemed like we want them at our party, right? We want them at our party. Now, some of you would, if, if you, if you're throwing your own parties, some of your parents, if you're throwing your own parties, uh, you may be thinking, I don't want Jesus at my party. (laughs) Like, like this is not that it's not a Jesus kind of party. Right. But Jesus liked to party with his friends. And, and and it was like, yes, bring in Jesus and bring in his disciples. He is there. Now, something's getting ready to happen. A miracle, we don't know yet. We haven't got this part of the story. But something's getting ready to happen. A huge miracle is getting ready to happen. This is the point I want to bring out. the The first blank on your bulletin is this. That when Jesus is in the house, the potential for the supernatural is unlimited. When Jesus is in the house, the potential for the supernatural is unlimited. And one of the things that we believe as followers of Jesus Christ that... Our spirit, our soul is the house of Christ. And when Jesus walks with us, when the Holy Spirit is inside of us, leading us and helping us to be uh, good followers of Jesus Christ, the potential for the supernatural is unlimited. And when a bunch of us, houses of Jesus, come into a building like this, the potential for the supernatural, a miracle happening, is unlimited limited. This is one of the reasons I think it's so important that you be committed to a church because powerful things happen when followers of Jesus Christ come together. Powerful things happen when followers of Jesus Christ come together. Let's keep reading. Verse three. Verse three is this. Uh, okay. I got my old man eyes this morning. Hold on. Here we go. Uh, when the wine, oh, okay, here we go. Here's where it gets juicy. When the wine ran out, everybody say, uh uh-oh, When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus... Who was the mother of Jesus? There you go. Said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her... Now, kids, don't do this. Don't try this at home. Only Jesus can get away with this, okay? Jesus said to her, woman... Don't do it, kids. Don't do it. Woman, what does the... I I think... Probably a better translation. I, I really think this is actually a poorly translated... Uh, I think it was actually more of a term of endearment. Not a woman. It wasn't that. It was more like uh, it was more like calling someone dear lady. Something like that. It, w- it was really more of a term of endearment. But Jesus says, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. And his mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. I'm going to stop right there for just a second. So Jesus' response yet... Is, okay, you know they've run out of wine. Mary tells her son Jesus they've run out of wine. And Jesus says, and? Like, what, is, what does this have to do with me? And Mary doesn't blink and just looks at all the servants and says, do whatever this guy tells you to do. Now, can I just say for all of us as followers of Jesus Christ in this room, the best advice I could ever give you is what Mary told these servants. Do whatever he tells you to do. Do whatever He tells you to do. Jesus, as as a follower of His, Jesus is going to ask you through the course of your life to do some things. He's going to ask you to serve Him in some ways. And it might be Somehow in the, in the, in the, you know, it, with your family, it might be at work, it might be in a ministry at church, it, it could be any number of things. It could be a smallish thing, it could be a biggish thing, it doesn't matter. Do whatever he tells you to do. Can I tell you, you will save yourself from a thousand hurts if you just get yourself in the habit of doing whatever Jesus tells you to do. Amen? Amen. That's, that's, that's great, great, great Advice now, so he says she says that, and uh, and this is this is what now when Jesus calls us to do things, like who here has ever felt like the Lord was laying something on your heart and asking you to do something that you know, yeah a lot of us if you've been following Jesus for very long you felt that feeling again it could be a big thing it could be a small thing, uh, but it could be a, a short term thing or a long term thing it doesn't matter but. Most all of us that are following Jesus have felt some sort of nudging from the Holy Spirit to kind of get out of our comfort zone and do something different, and, and follow Him in that way. And when Jesus tells you to do, calls you to do something, now here, here, okay, for those of you that are new to Living Hope, let me tell you one of our Living Hope principles around here. Okay, that a lot of times you'll get a burden for something as a follower of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit will start churning up your heart about an issue or about something, or you know, we need to help some group of people, or we need a certain type of ministry, or whatever. And 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 the temptation. This is not a temptation. It's a good thing. The good thing. A good thing for you to do, or a good thing that you will often do is you will come to me, or Rob, or Liz, or Matt, or one of our elders, or or whoever. You'll come to a, a a leader here in this church and say, "Our church. I you know I've been thinking about this, and our church needs to do this, right? And usually, what people mean by that is you guys should do this I thought it would be a really great idea right now there's nothing wrong with that sentiment but this is what I want to ch- I want to come back on you just a little bit and and that I Jeff Myers is not living hope Church and Rob Riedel is not living hope Church and James Avery or Manuel Escobar none of these these guys are not living Hope Church that we are living Hope Church and you our Living Hope Church. And I believe that, and and this, again, this is not a cop-out for me to get out of work, although it does work. But but the truth is this. I believe there is a reason that God laid that on your heart. That God made you passionate about that thing. Because God is going to call you to do things that he's not going to call me to do. That we all have a place in this kingdom. And so my response to that oftentimes is, I agree. Our church should do that. Go lead it, do it right. I'll, I'll get you some help. We'll, we'll organize, you know, that sort of thing. We can do this together, but I believe there's a reason he called you to do it. God stirs up stuff in our heart all the time. Who here has ever, ever had God stir up something in your heart that you immediately thought that's going to be really hard for me to try? Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty, that's, that's typical God. Typical God. And our our next uh, phrase up on the screen is this. God rarely asks us to do anything that's easy or that makes sense. God rarely asks us, go into your Bibles uh, and find me a place, any place in the Bible where God asks somebody to do something easy or something that made sense. He almost always calls us out of spaces of our life that are comfortable into something that, and this is the reason I think he does this because he's the only one that deserves the glory. And if it's an easy thing or if it makes sense, like if God called me, like if I felt God nudging me to, you know, eat a bunch of butter based foods, right? That I would get all the glory in that because everybody knows I can pound away some butter based foods, right? Right. I would get the glory, right? But if God gives me a ministry of kale, then he's going to get all the glory, right? Because <laughs> that's not up my alley at all. So it's, it's just God rarely asks us to do anything that's easy that makes sense. When, God, when you feel God tugging on your heart to do something and, you, and your first reaction is, I don't think I can do that, then I, I can almost guarantee you it's God's will. I can almost guarantee you it's God's will. Because when he challenges you out of your comfort zone, he puts you in a place to serve him in a way that only he could get the glory. That only he could get the glory. But the beautiful thing is that, he's that he uses us to do that. He uses us to do that. Let's keep reading. All right. I feel the clock is ticking on. You, you kids are doing great. Awesome. Awesome. And if you've got some, you know... I'm pretty sure Liz has like a stock of children's Tylenol on the back if they're getting a little restless, so you guys go ahead and... No, I'm just teasing. Okay. All right, so um, verse 6. Verse 6 is this. Uh, Where are we? Okay, now, there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. So they've run out of wine. Jesus' mom tells the servants, go and... Do whatever he tells you to do. Now we get this little side note from John in, in his writing. He says, there at the party, there were six stone water jars, hold, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Now these are these are not like mayonnaise jars. These are jars. These are huge. They stood about this tall. They were about this big around. They, they probably kind of had a, a circular shape to them. They, these were large, large containers, stone containers. Has anybody ever tried to lift up something stone this big and this big? Yeah, it, that's, that's some hard work. Has anybody ever tried to lift up something stone filled with water this big and this big? Much harder, right? And so there's a bunch of these jars sitting off to the side. They had a purpose being be there. I'm not going to go into that purpose, but but they're there, all right? So already they recognize that the means for a miracle is close by. They're going to use these stone jars. Keep your eye on those stone jars, kids, okay? They're going to use these stone jars. And this is the point I want to bring out, uh, is that this, the greatest vessels for for miracles at Living Hope Church are seated right here in this room. The greatest vessels for potential miracles right here in our church are seated right here in this room, and a lot of them have yellow hard hats on right now. I mean that. I mean that God can work through you kids in ways that he can't work through us adults. In and, and the same way that he can work through us in ways that he, can't, we, that he can't work through you, we all have purpose. We all have purpose. And I have seen many of you kids step up and serve God in selfless, beautiful ways before because you felt God calling you to do something. And it is awesome when you do it. Keep doing that. Keep saying yes to God. Amen? Amen. 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 Now, before you get too heavy on your amen adults, that same thing goes to you. The same thing goes to you. Keep saying yes to God. The, I've said it before when we talked about Project Hope and things like that, that, that everything we need to accomplish what God wants us to do is right here in this room. And, and let's, let's extend that. Everything we need to, for God to accomplish the miracles he wants to accomplish through our church is seated right here in this room. You are that vessel. You are that vessel. Don't lose sight of that. Verse 7. Verse 7 says this, Jesus said to the servants, here it comes, it's going to get good. Jesus said to the servants, <clears throat> fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. That, that's the very top. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. So they filled those jars up with water and then they scooped some out, probably in a goblet, some sort of cup or something. And he says, take it to the master of the feast. And they did that. Verse 9 And when the master of the feast tasted the water, now that had become wine. What? Everybody say, what? Yeah. When the master of the feast tasted the water that now had become wine and did not know where it came from. Now, there's parentheses here. Kids, you know what parentheses are? It's little little curvy lines. Yeah? Right? There you go. You knew it. I'm sorry. I answered the question for you. I'm sorry. Sorry. All right. Parentheses here. Uh, Let me me go back. So uh, And did not know where it came from. Here's the parentheses. Everybody read this with me. Though the servants who had drawn the water knew. That's important. We're going to come back to that. The master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first. Whenever we do these parties, the good wine always comes out first. And when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. So, okay. So, the servants fill up the, the the jars with water just as Jesus had told them to do. Go fill these jars with water. And and when they do that, they fill them up, somewhere in that process, Jesus turned the water into wine. And nobody could believe it. And they didn't just turn it into when this get this when Jesus makes wine, he makes the good stuff. <laughs> when Jesus makes wine, he makes, he's not, he's not breaking out the boxes of wine. He is, this is the good stuff. Okay? And the guests begin to notice. Wow. Now here's the thing. I, I, a couple things I want point, to point out. The first one is this. That little parenthetical statement there. Kids, say parenthetical. <laughs> You'll never use that again in your life. Okay. All right, uh, where is it? So, nobody knew where the wine came from. Let's read it one more time. Though the servants who had drawn the water, they knew, they knew. Now, now here's the thing. The water, the wine, the, the water that is now wine gets taken to the master of the feast to take a drink. And he's like, wow, you saved. He's talking to the bridegroom. He's talking to the guy that's getting married. And he said, you saved the good wine till later in the week. Nobody does that. Who, like, who does that? So this guy that tastes Jesus' freshly made wine assumes that the bridegroom, the guy that's getting married, just saved the good stuff to last. All the glory went to who? The, the groom, right? All the glory went. He got all the attention. Wow, you, you saved the good stuff to last. But who knew that a miracle had happened? The servants. The servants, and this is the point I want, only the servants got to see the miracle. Only the, if that doesn't rock your world this morning, I don't know what will. That is the best thing you're going to hear all day long. Only the servants got to see the miracle. Can I, can I suggest this? If you feel like you don't see God move enough in your life and you're questioning, you know, like, does God even really move anymore? Is anything great even happening anymore? Could it possibly be you're just not serving? You're not serving. Maybe that's not, I'm just saying to ask yourself that question. Maybe that doesn't apply to you. But only the servants got to see the miracle. If you want to see miracles take place in this church, get involved in what's going on and you'll get to see. When you know the behind the scenes, when you know the, the stress and the prayer and the everything else that has gone on behind, to make things happen here at church and you get to see firsthand how God works through all that, you get to see the miracle. The rest, everybody else gets to hear about it maybe, but there's something different about actually getting able, being able to see it. Now, the second thing is this uh, with that passage is that we talk about those big, huge stone jars and how they fill them with water. Now, this is what I want you to keep in mind. This is before water spigots. This is before garden hoses, Right? The servants had to lug these big stone jars away from the party to the nearest well, which might have been a quarter mile, a half mile, who knows away. Go to the well, fill it, pull up buckets of water, and dump that into the over and over and over from the well to the jar weigh that thing down heavy with water and then carry it all the way back to the wedding. That's a lot of work. Like, I'm just going to tell you, if that happens at my wedding, you guys are just, you go, there's water at the well, go. It's like a quarter mile that way, go help yourself. That's what's happening. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that, right? But these guys, they obey Jesus. They do what he tells them to do. They do hard work. And this is the principle. Put that up there, right here. God works through people who work. God works through people who work. You want to see God work in your life? Then get busy. Get busy. I'm not talking about working for your salvation. I'm just talking about God works through people who work. Every time something great happens in the life of our church, I guarantee you somebody was working behind the scenes to make that thing happen. Serving God in ways that they had called him, that he had called them to serve him, and, and being obedient and working to make that thing happen. You're sitting in comfortable seats in a room that's not primary colors and hurting your brain this morning. And, and it's clean and, and all kinds of stuff that took place. Why? Because God works through people who work. God works through people who work. That's just, that's a universal principle. You want to see God work? Then work with God. All right? Now let's do this. Last verse. And this is a big one. Verse 11. Says this. uh, Oh, here it is. Okay, this is the the first of his signs Jesus did at Cana in Galilee, and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed him. This was the first. His disciples, before this point, all they had known about Jesus was this guy's pretty smart. He's a great teacher. We want to follow him, right? They hadn't seen any miracles yet. They go to the wedding. Jesus does this amazing, amazing miracle. his disciples, they did what? They believed him. They believed in him. And this is the last principle I I want to put up here. It's this. If we position ourselves, if Living Hope, our church, all of us, if we position ourselves to see Jesus more clearly, we'll follow him more closely. If we position ourselves to see Jesus more clearly, we'll follow him more closely. Every one of you are here. And, you know, kind of attending Living Hope and, and getting involved in church because something inside of your heart is saying, I really want to be closer to Christ. Like, I want, I want, to, I want to draw clear. You came here hoping to hear something or, or experience something or whatever, that you wanted to be able to see Jesus, to follow him a little bit more closer, to kind of grow spiritually in your life, that sort of thing. Every one of us are here for that same, I'm here for that same reason. And if we want to see that happen, you want to follow Jesus more closely than today than you followed Him yesterday. Then position yourself close to Him. Position yourself in such a way that you can see Him more clearly. That's my prayer for our church. You guys know, uh, this church is a beautiful, beautiful church. This church is not beautiful because of my preaching. This church is not beautiful because of Rob and the worship team and the music that they do. This church is not beautiful because of our great kids programs and all of our volunteers and Liz's leadership there. Or it's not beautiful because of Matt and the you know leading the, the youth group. It's not beautiful for those. This church is beautiful because when all of those things and then all of the things that you all are doing and it all comes together, that's what makes it beautiful you want to continue to see living hope become more and more beautiful, then let's position ourselves as a church in a place where we can see Jesus more clearly so that we can follow him more closely. Amen? Amen. Let's do that. I want to challenge you to get involved. I really do. There's so many different ways that you can serve. You can check out on your your connection card, you know, I, I want to serve. Maybe specify an area that you've been burdened for. It could be kids ministry or, or youth ministry or, or worship or, uh, you know, serving, maybe it's something behind the scenes. Um, there's, there's so much work going up here, um, during the week and in the evenings, um, um, during the week that still needs to be done. We're still, there's still a lot of work to be done, but position yourself closely to him and let's get busy together. Let's allow God to work through us. Amen. Amen. Let's do that. Let's do that. So mark on your connection card. I want to get more involved, and we'll get in touch with you. Also, if you see in your bulletin, there is uh, in this uh, gray area up here, it says, um, let me just read it to you. <clears throat> we're working on the new facility Monday through Thursday evenings and other times as we're free. Come clean, paint, or do some general construction, or help by watching the kids or by bringing a meal. Text the word, if you've got your phones out, it's right here in, in, your, in your bulletin. Look at it. Text the word at buildlhc. To the number eight one zero one zero to receive text reminders. If you do that, then anytime we're up here doing work, we'll te- we'll we'll kind of daily text out the hours we're going to be here, what kind of work's going to be done that night. If you want to know those updates, so you can jump in and get involved, that's great. So text that, and then we'll we'll keep you informed. So do that. But let's get involved. If it's not here, make it somewhere. If it's not, if you feel God calling you to be an extension of LHC into the community in some amazing way, then do that. But let's be about serving God. Why? Because we love Him. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love You so much. And we thank You so much for Your Word. And, uh, and uh, God, we want to be a healthy church. As we're building on this building, we want to make sure that we're building a healthy church along the way. And so God... We want to be close to you. And because we want to be close to you, we also want to serve you. And so God, I pray that you would speak to us in ways that we can hear you. And you would just lead us in the way that you want us to go. And we pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.